You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Travis Irvine. Hello, Ben. Hey, Travis. And Fernando. How you doing, Fernando? I'm good, Ben. It's great to be with you guys today. We have a crazy big episode, as always, because every week there's something new to discuss. We're going to talk a little bit about privacy. Where has it gone? Oh, my God. It's eroding right in front of our eyes. We're going to talk a little bit about the Biden administration, specifically Janet Yellen. And my God, Fernando has some yelling to do about that. Hello. I'll be here all week. Also, we'll do some updates on what's going on with abortion in this country as Republican governors race to see who can eliminate rights the fastest. But before we get to that. 9-11 9-11 is upon us. It is 9-11 week. I don't know if it's like Shark Week. I don't know how to celebrate 9-11. I still have no idea how to act on September 11th. Mm-hmm. Is it, do you party? Do you cry? Do you do both like we did 20 years ago? Party and cry? I have no idea because it's a horrible memory of a disastrous moment. Anyway, Donald Trump. Did you know he was the former president of the United States? I heard about that. Some people still think he is. So naturally on 9-11, he's going to do something extremely powerful. He's going to maybe go and uh, visit the memorial, maybe go down to ground zero. Yeah, that'd be very powerful. And say, wow, I can't believe 3,000 innocent Americans lost their lives because of this horrible terror attack. I, Donald Trump, am here to console all those who are mourning. No, he is not doing that. Oh. He's actually spending the night commentating on a heavyweight boxing match (sighs) between Evander Holyfield and another dude named Belfort. Both of them are extremely old, and Donald Trump will be sitting ringside. This is not even for UFC. This is not even for, like, the WBA. This is straight up, might as well be, a live version of a celebrity deathmatch. This is comical. It does not matter, even by a sports perspective. This will be appearing, the fight will be appearing on Triller. Fight TV, Whoa. which again, if you haven't heard of it, that's because it's the Puma of fighting organizations <laughs> or the Spalding oh, wow. Pump, dare I say. Of course, we all wanted the Reebok pump growing up, and I was cursed with the Spalding. But you know what? <laughs> air is air, and it worked just fine. So, anyway, Travis, we got a couple of quotes here from Donnie yeah. uh, regarding what people can expect from this geriatric mauling uh, that we can see again September 11th. The day the world changed forever. What does Donald have to say about this event? I love great fighters and great (laughs) fights. I look forward to seeing both this Saturday night and sharing my thoughts ringside. I can't wait to hear. There's more of this quote, but just listen to that. He is so desperate for a microphone that he is going Uh. to sit ringside of it again elderly two elderly men boxing in the ring kind of and he is just going to be ranting and raving 
about God knows what. That's called the fight within the fight. <laughs> and dare I say, out of all three of these, Donald Trump acts like he has the worst boxing brain. Right. Oh, my the God. The man is delusional. He continues, you won't want to miss this special event. <laughs> Incredible. And of course, he will be joined by his son, Donald Trump Jr. Oh, my uh, God. So, you know, the Coke's going to be flowing like I, wine. Well, if there was ever Coke that I wished had fentanyl in it, <laughs> it would be the one that he does. Be very truthfully, be very careful with cocaine right now. Uh, get yes. a tester. Yes, honestly. you can get it tested. Please. Fentanyl is no freaking joke. And I wish that we would hold the people accountable who are spreading it all over our streets. We talked about that maybe about a year, year and a half ago. We spoke with an investigative reporter who actually went undercover in China where they make mm, fentanyl yep. just straight up mm -hmm. like a corporation. They just make fentanyl. And that's been the new uh, drug of choice for their cartels as we legalize marijuana in this sweet country. Be very, very careful when it comes to cocaine. I understand people are going to do stuff, but get a testa because no high is worth dying for. All right. <laughs> Something worth dying for is protecting our freedom. Oh. That's what we've been doing for a long time. That's uh, theoretically. So anyway, that's Donald Trump. He's going to be ringside. You guys get it. So something worth dying for is our freedom. And this is something that we have seen eroding for the past 20 years under the guise of the Patriot Act, uh, under the guise of protecting our freedoms by limiting our freedoms. It's counterintuitive because it doesn't make rational sense. Uh, the American people have begun not to use a cliche, but to wake up a bit when it comes to responding to the surveillance state that the government now has. A recent polling data, as a matter of fact, this is an AP NORC poll, and I think this does tend to skew in the right direction. Everyone that I speak to just in my day-to-day -day life, whether it be a waitress in uh, Mandalay Bay mm -hmm. named Karen mm -hmm. that I always see when I go to Las Vegas, love Karen, <laughs> she's wonderful, or just a random person at a bar or my friends, being spied on is something that the American people are very, very concerned about. And this whole idea, I want to get this out of the way before I even start, because I can already hear people saying mm -hmm. it. If you're not doing anything wrong, mm -hmm. then what do you got to worry about? Well, as we learned in Texas, laws change and laws aren't necessarily indicative of morality right. or what's right. So spare me if you're not doing anything wrong, because you don't know when they've changed the law perhaps unbeknownst to you. And believe it or not, you'll find yourself on the wrong side of a long stick that is the United States legal system. So as of August 12th through the 16th, 46% um, of Americans say they oppose U.S. government responding to threats against the nation by reading people's emails sent to people outside of the U.S. without a warrant. Just 27% who are in favor. So that is actually a big difference because if you look in 2011, 49% say that they were in favor of the U.S. monitoring phone calls made outside the U.S. Right. Well, 28% opposed. Now that number has almost flipped. Same thing when it comes to phone calls within the U.S. According to this, not to get too bogged down in the numbers, but I'll throw a couple at you. In 2011, 23% of Americans, one in four Americans, thought, oh, it's okay if the U.S. government monitors my phone calls within the United States under the guise of freedom, which just tells you how easy it is for people to get brainwashed and how easy it is for people to just give up their freedoms. 
because they're being pressured to buy multi, multi, multi-billion dollar corporations and multi, multi-million dollar government uh, propaganda. So in 2011, 23% said, yeah, monitor my phone calls within the U.S. No one cares if I talk to Barb about my heavy period. What do they care? Oh. Meanwhile, periods are now illegal. Oh, no. <laughs> in 2021, only 14%. So oh. that, this is a healthy... This is a nation that's been at war for 20 years, yes. dealing with the ramifications of the Patriot Act and realizing none of the surveillance that they promised was going to protect us has. Emails sent between people outside the U.S., and as I mentioned this already, 47% uh, in 2011 said, yeah, check them. Now it's down to 27%. And emails sent within the U.S. in 2011, 30% were like, check them. And now 17%. So we're seeing across the board, the American people have had enough of being constantly monitored. However, that being said, it seems like we're going in the wrong direction. This is according to Gary Kiefer. He's a retired 80-year-old New Yorker. So dare I say he has opinions. He's been around. Yes, he has. He says, at what point does this work against the population in general, rather than try to weed out potential saboteurs or whatever? At what point is it going to be a danger to the public rather than saving them or keeping them secure? Kiefer goes on, I feel like you might need it to an extent, but who is going to decide how far you go to keep the country safe? Now, that's just one anecdotal opinion from one 80-year-old man. But that opinion, again, as we saw in the polling data, reflects positively what we're seeing on the streets. I mean, have you guys talked to anyone in your lives? Just, you know, this is just a... You know, this is a, a human podcast. This is a human republic. I'm a person. You're a person. Ooh. You're a person. And I'm a person. So these opinions matter. Have any one of you heard anyone say, yeah, I could go for a little bit more snooping in my emails? <laughs> mm. Well, uh, I, what I, about I, her emails? Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to I'm going to play devil's advocate here. There was a case in the UK back in 2016. I don't know if you guys remember this. A UK man got 20 years for what he was doing was he was communicating with someone in Colombia through the drafts of his email. So he would write an email in Gmail and save it. He would never send it. Ooh. He would save it. And then the dude would log into the account in Colombia, open up the email, see, read the draft, and then delete it. So you don't even have to send the email. And the government wow. uses it. You know, the government is going to, this is this is what they're supposed to be protecting us from. But the reality is this is one example out of every one of our daily community. Exactly. And don't forget the vast majority of people busted for terrorism were set up originally by the FBI. And there's a lot of theater uh, involved in those situations to make us feel safe. Dare I say a similar theater that we see with the great acting that the TSA does, oh, because so I have brave. a feeling that <laughs> if anything is going to happen on any plane, it'll be an inside job. <laughs> Speaking of 9-11. Oh. All right. Fernando, I want to hear your thoughts on this. So when it comes to surveillance, they're taking it one step further. Now it's no longer just emails. Mm -hmm. No longer just phone calls, uh -uh. no longer just maybe scoping you out when you're playing basketball in the park. Ooh. Biden has now introduced a total financial surveillance. Uh, this is, it's really interesting. Imagine living in a world, right, mm -hmm. where the IRS has mm. more power. Oh, no. Wouldn't it be fun? Because right now I look at the IRS and I'm like, you poor little. It's like it hasn't been fed yet before midnight. And it's just a cute little gremlin. Aww. But it wants its snack. Nom, 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 it nom, wants nom, its midnight snack. So we can assume that the IRS has had its midnight snack and perhaps it even took a shower. It's blossomed into a total demon. <laughs> what they are now 
um, recommending is that the IRS will be able to monitor all non-cash financial transactions. Mm. And you have to remember, and I'm not breaking news here to anyone, we live in a non-cash world. Mm-hmm. This is like if it was 1970, it'd be like, yeah, I barely write a check. I don't uh, particularly care. <laughs> One time I wired money to my friend in Panama who got into some legal trouble. But like it doesn't exist the way that it exists. It, it did not exist the way it exists now. So this is a exactly. massive, massive uh, intrusion into our civil liberties and our privacy. Exactly. So the non-cash financial transactions could be a restaurant meal, a Venmo transfer to a buddy, maybe even some Bitcoin, Mm -hmm. Mr. Fernando. And of course, the IRS will use all of this information to continue to squeeze the rock and get as much blood money as possible. This is Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. She expressed this. Uh, Her ally in this case is Elizabeth Warren. I think Elizabeth Warren is completely wrong about this. She says this is going to be used in the name of closing the tax gap, which you can do through legislation in the House and in the Senate. You control the purse. This is not, Mm -hmm. to me, it's similar to Apple saying we're going to spy on her phone to stop all these pedophiles. It's like, thank you, wonderful reason, but let's look at where it actually goes. Same thing with the Patriot Act. This is going to stop all terrorism. Mm -hmm. And boy, did that work. (laughs) Don't run a marathon in Boston. So this is just another psychological psyop way into the brain Mm -hmm. of the easily convinced so they can say, oh, this is great. They're going to close the wealth gap. I'm sorry, buddy. The wealthy are just going to get more wealthy and you are just going to be more monitored. But I know, Fernando, you are very upset with Miss Yellen. Uh, you know, I, I a few weeks back, I had a few words to say about the what she put in Curse the infrastructure. words, I believe. <laughs> I didn't say them on the radio, but oh. I said them. She, she put the, what she put in the infrastructure bill, with, right. you know, with the language on brokers and cryptocurrency, that was all Janet Yellen. Yep. Now, this is another move of her. She doesn't understand modern technology. I think that she does understand. Oh, I, I don't, you know. Okay. The, that's one of my, and I will let you continue, no, no, I'm sorry. No. But one of my biggest pet peeves is like when people talk about George W. Bush. Mm. He was an idiot. No, these people are very smart. I think she does understand. And that's why they say, yes, I get it. And that's why they want all that money. I Well, I think. I think they, it's nefarious. I, I, think, yeah. I think they, underst- they understand the nef- that it can be used in nefarious ways. But you can, you know, you can launder cash. You don't need of to course. launder using cryptocurrency. You can launder. You don't even have to involve Bitcoin to launder money. So the the excuses, the their logic is like we're protecting Americans. We're helping Americans. We're we're helping people avoid taxes. All those things already exist. You know, insider trading already exists, but not for poor people. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on as well. Well, and that's actually a good point, because as I recall, Elizabeth Warren was pushing a bill with uh, Senator Angus King out of Maine uh, about getting $100 million more in funding to the IRS to crack down on billionaires and people who were escaping tax loopholes and offshore holdings and things like that. But this now puts normal people under the microscope. Because most people aren't billionaires exactly it's just like you said the uh, the tsa the the nsa's domestic spying program they they want to catch the criminals but what you're doing when you put a, a big blanket mm-hmm. fishnet out there you're going to catch some small fish who aren't and, doing anything wrong and let's not forget this is all just going to be through an algorithm right so they, an algorithm agree, is yeah. just going to find a bunch of freaking poor people that Failed to pay $200 in taxes three years ago. Uh, Maybe they even get incarcerated. So as we learned from Larry Lawton, we can pay tens of thousands of dollars uh, so they can be treated worse than zoo animals. This is according to the Treasury Department. 
I hate these people. They say, uh, for already compliant taxpayers, the only effect of this regime is to provide easy access to summary information on financial accounts and to decrease the likelihood of costly, no-fault examinations. That's called an audit. They goes on to say, the American families, pl- oh my God, the American families plan tax compliance agenda. Uh, if that yikes. doesn't just like hit you somewhere in your spinal cord, I don't know what to tell you. The American American Families Plan Tax Compliance Agenda goes on, he goes on to say for non-compliant taxpayers this regime would encourage voluntary compliance as evaders realize that the risk of evasion being detected has risen noticeably again the billionaires are not mm-hmm. hiding their taxes exactly. they're not being forced to pay them so right. what do they have to hide <laughs> they have nothing to hide exactly uh you know uh for for me and you ben the the irs gets a copy of our taxes and then we have to file them ourselves Absolutely. and we hope that those numbers match and I guess this computer is going to save us from that, Ben. The administration oh. proposed, <laughs> quote, comprehensive financial account reporting. Uh, they also said all business and personal accounts from financial institutions, including bank, loan and investment accounts, uh, they would be forced to, quote, report gross inflows and outflows uh, to the IRS and not just bank accounts. They would also include PayPal, settlement companies. And here you go, Mr. Fernando, mm-hmm. crypto asset exchanges which i'm perfectly fine with i talked about a few weeks ago i'm perfectly fine with taxable events and capital gain taxes not an issue the issue is again overreach why do you if i'm going to report at the end of the year and Mm. the numbers already come to you you don't need to be doing this you're just spending money to get involved in more people's lives absolutely so this is um economics I'm not going to get emotional Mm. but when i start talking about money yeah i really want to (laughs) cry It's extremely personal information. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's on par with, again, somebody who needs an abortion in Texas and has to go talk to their doctor. I'm not saying that. But this is extremely personal information. Mm -hmm. And for them to just sort of Janet Yellen and Biden and Elizabeth Warren, for them to just kind of like, yeah, so we're going to start looking at all your taxes and we're going to start looking at all your IRS reports and even PayPal. Now they as a company are going to be forced to give over whatever they have. So Uh. it's actually a uh, violation of their privacy as well. I mean, you look at someone like Venmo, I mean, God knows what what the IRS could uncover with all of the interactions made on Venmo. So even if you are a tech company and you are in the financial game, this isn't good for citizens nor business. For me, the one person that this is good for is the situation we had with Trump with him refusing to release his tax returns. Yeah, but the like only that. one they released that Rachel Maddow had her John Stossel, there's nothing, or uh, not John Stossel, I'm sorry, um, uh, Rivera, Geraldo Rivera, Rivera, Rivera moment yeah. where there was nothing in, you know, in Geraldo's safe. When they showed Trump's taxes, technically, a, that was what he was supposed to pay, right, which right. is the problem, mm-hmm, but that's exactly. systemic, not individual. So again, for public servants, I'm okay with this. Yes, we should track public servants and sure. everything they're doing, but not me and Travis and you, Ben. Don't right. worry about what I'm doing with my PayPal. Absolutely. I mean, that's a great point. Matt Gates obviously was paying for underage uh, sex workers on Venmo. He's a public <laughs> servant, though. Exactly. And that's illegal. And that's, and that's illegal. totally different. There you go. Yeah. So. <sighs> President Obama in 2009 promised to generate $210 billion in new tax revenue and that he was going to do that by cracking down on tax loopholes, which, again, I just don't see why we can't just get a reasonable 30 percent, 25 to 30 percent, maybe let's settle at 27 and a half percent corporate tax rate. It's not even that high. It was higher before. 
I mean, now we're down to 21, but it's just, it, we need to, if Elizabeth Warren cares about getting money from these corporations, the only way to do it is to have them allocate more of their funds back to the institutions that allows them, that allows them to thrive. And theoretically, that money would trickle down. Well, of course, we know there's a lot of pockets it goes into, but for social programs, because again, it is our money that is being wasted as they give billions of dollars in tax breaks to corporations that, again, fulfill very little of what they promised to. And they continue to tax our income instead of taxing wealth, which is what would completely change the system. Because if you if you have a company and you only get paid a dollar a year, like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, then you don't pay a lot of taxes because you don't make a lot of income. But you're a very wealthy person from your investments. Right. It's interesting. All right. Anyway, watch out. The sharks are circling and they want blood. And in this case, it's money. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Talk about insider trading and mm. talking a little bit about the Fed. Uh, so Dallas Fed's Robert Kaplan, apparently he was an active buyer and seller of stocks as of last year. This is 11 of the Fed's 12 regional banks that provided disclosures of their leaders' 2020 financial profiles in recent days. Now, again, this individual, I would like to know their history because they are crucial when it comes to where the stock market goes and where it doesn't go. Yes. It's the same thing with Bloomberg and Uber. Mm -hmm. Uber was going to come into New York, and then Bloomberg was like, no, nope, got a lot of money in the taxi union. And then Uber was like, yeah, but it's so much cooler to be with Uber. If you could maybe change a couple of your assets over, maybe then we can come back. So sure enough, uh, Bloomberg puts $300 million into Uber, and then, whoa, magically, Uber is approved overnight. Wow. And his stock shot up and probably got him another billion dollars. So 11 of the 12 heads of the regional Fed banks have provided disclosures. And Mr. Kaplan's, in my humble opinion, leads to a bit of conflict of interest. Mm -hmm. So in 2020, he had 27 individual stocks, and they valued about over a million. His stock holdings were in Apple, Amazon, Boeing, Alphabet Inc., Facebook, and Marathon Petroleum. So my question to you guys is, when we have this person in charge of a massive, massive amount of money, and we know for a fact he's in bed with Apple, Amazon, Boeing, Alphabet Inc., Facebook, and Marathon Petroleum, where the hell can we expect <laughs> any level of change when it comes to the aforementioned corporate tax? Yeah, I mean, it ain't happening. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the Fed has nothing to do with creating the corporate taxes. No. Like you said, that's Congress's yes. job. But this is a massive conflict of interest because the Fed prints the money in our country. And may I add that they yes, are you may. very unaccountable. They also, yep. like the Pentagon we've mm -hmm. been talking about, have never successfully been audited. I think even a partial audit back in 2009, uh, sponsored by Ron Paul and Bernie Sanders, again, libertarians, progressives coming together, partial audit showed that the Fed was doling out billions of dollars to banks in other countries. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, huge 
massive conflict of interest to have a Fed chair in any region uh, have this many stocks. It's very similar to what we saw earlier this year mm-hmm. with the two Republican senators, Kelly Loeffler, who has since lost her seat R-I-P. in Georgia. Not dead, politically, Not dead. hopefully. Yes. <laughs> and, um, Rest in politics. And Richard Burr, who is about to be politically dead because he voted in favor of impeachment against Trump. And so now- nothing to do with insider trading. No, well, he he um, Kelly and Bird both did a thing where they were given a brief on COVID, yes. and then dumped a bunch of their stocks right after. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Saving them millions of dollars. But it was like, yeah, that's okay. But you voted yes on impeachment. Right. No can exactly. do. It's like the man lied to you, open face lied, so he <laughs> can make millions, and probably screwed you out of tens of thousands. Exactly. And of course, there's no law prohibiting senators to do that yet. Um, but I am unsure, honestly, about a Fed chair having stocks. It seems like a massive, massive red flag. Of course it does. The Fed is crazy to me. They, they, No one is above them. So we don't get to vote if they're going to print more money. No. We don't get to decide right. if they're going to not vote, you know, any of that. They control inflation. Absolutely. They, so we're at the whim of the Fed and they don't have to answer to anyone. No, this would be like if Michael Jordan played for the Bulls when he owned the Wizards. You can't do it. It's a total, you can't, because the human mind is, it is what it is. In my personal opinion, people are out for their own self-interest. That's the way it works. That's why you put the oxygen mask first on a plane uh, before you can help others. So it's counterintuitive to even imagine Kaplan could do what is right for the people because just instinctively, he's going to do, instinctively, he's just going to do what's right for him and try to rationalize it in his own bizarre mind. So the Dallas Fed leader, uh, since 2015, he has had deep roots in the financial sector. He worked with Goldman Sachs. Oh, well, there you go. He worked there for more than two decades. He left the job in 2006. And believe it or not, where did he go? He went to become a professor at Harvard Business School. Oh. I remember when Harvard was once considered a prestigious institution and now just seems like a pipeline uh, to more corruption. So a spokesman for the Dallas Fed said Mr. Kaplan's trading was reviewed and, believe it or not, approved by the oh. bank's general oh, counsel. Okay, so don't worry cool. about it. It's oh, that's a, fine. It's approved by the bank's general counsel. So <laughs> what, what are you even worried about? I like it when banks get to police themselves, right? We always talk about who polices the police. Who polices the banks? Apparently, it's the banks. Exactly. Everything's fine. That's why we need to audit the freaking Fed. It is like that is as bipartisan yes. as love and cheese. Yes. Dennis Kucinich also backed Ron Paul's audit the Fed bill. He said the Federal Reserve is as federal as Federal Express. It's basically a, a private <laughs> corporation that the government has hired. Um, really interesting reads out there from libertarian economic thinkers. Um and the Fed by Murray Rothbard or Ron Paul. There's some really interesting stuff out there because it is a very strange monster. And again, completely unaccountable and unauditable. Help me understand this, Ben. So when Martha Stewart did it, it was insider trading. Right. But when a politician does it, it's for the good of America? <laughs> Help me understand. It was, was co- it, it was because than- she was friends with Snoop Dogg. That's why. Not they were trying to take th- her down. They honestly, the more I've looked into that, I saw the Lifetime made-for-TV movie, okay? <laughs> That's what they the, wanted. The good quality did, we, did I feel any safer as a human being knowing that Martha was right. behind bars? No, <laughs> I did not. I would perhaps feel better if these people uh, didn't have the power that they had. I don't want anyone to go behind bars, but certainly I don't want them to be in these positions because they are obviously corrupt folks. And before you think it's just Dallas... Boston Fed Chief Eric Rosengren, he listed a number of stock trades under a, quote, joint status. And at that, it was $50,000 or less. Richmond Fed leader Thomas Barkin, 
He was a senior executive at management consulting firm McKinsey and Company. Uh, before he became bank president, he listed a number of financial holdings, each in excess of one million. And I think one key word there when it comes to Eric Rosengren is joint. Mm. Not in the smoke kind of gets him, but joint. The same thing that uh, I believe it was Feinstein Mm. uh, when it came out that she had a whole series of different conflict of interest. She says, it's me and my husband's account. I never look at the finances. Okay. 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 All right. Thank you for for taking your shoes off and going into the kitchen. Like, what do you? Yeah, of course you do, Diane. Uh You're Diane. All you do is look at finances. That's your whole freaking job. Yes. J- Janet Yellen could be focusing on these people. Instead, she's just focusing on us. Yeah. Uh, so when you have someone like Richmond Fed leader Thomas Barkin being like, yeah, I had a million, you know it's a shell game. Mm. Gives it, names it over to his wife, right. whatever it might be. Right. And all of that money he knows is sitting there and waiting for him as soon as he's done so being bizarre. president of this small chapter. And let's not forget Janet Yellen, before she was Secretary of the Treasury, she was Fed chairman. So these people all, you know, they all get together. Goldman Sachs is basically yeah. a rotating door. You go, you leave Goldman Sachs, you get a job in government, and then you can go back and to Goldman th- Sachs. This is the one-tenth of where InfoWars and Alex Jones was right. Yes. And then from <laughs> there, they're like, but yeah. they're turning the frogs gay. Yeah. And oh, my God, I can't. Yeah. They're making our kids sissies with all this sugar. It's like, yeah. it's like oh, my God, okay, now you've <laughs> right. gone off the rails, and you're literally talking about reptiles. But this is the base of a lot of conspiracy theory, and the base is 100% true. Now, right, of course, right. extrapolated into a whole series of other things that are usually just turns into anti-Semitism <laughs> yes. is not the right approach. But the right approach is to know what's going on yeah. and then, again, push Congress to audit the Fed. They're auditing us every goddamn day. Yep, yep. So let's audit the Fed and see where exactly this money is going and how much do they know before they make investments? Yeah, because again, uh, Martha got locked up, and I don't think she did anything worse. Dare I say she did things less worse than what these folks are doing. If right. anyone at the Fed wants to text me about what stock I should invest in, because apparently sure. it's, it's yeah. Please, no, you Kaplan, know. what are your tips? Yeah. We got to know. I need some Bidets, stuff. actually. Yeah, we've been getting into bidets here at uh, in the Pentagon. <laughs> you stay fresh. Yeah. yeah, wouldn't you believe it? We have a lot of dirty asses. <laughs> Something about all the corruption. All right. Well, let's move on to a slightly good story, or at the very least, kind of a bright story. Uh, still based in Texas. It's still in Texas, <laughs> so. but we'll give a little bit of appreciation to Lyft and Uber. Uh, they have said that they will pay any legal fees for drivers sued under the new Texas abortion law. It's freaking insane to even have to say. Lyft and Uber have said they will cover legal fees of any drivers who are snitched on or who I, I like what, oh again the neighbors with their windows slightly open pulling back the blinds be like oh why is oh barbara's daughter alexa is getting into an, an uber, uber and she looks a little it's chunky uber. that uber is taking her to the abortion she's the call the police now call, call the abortion please call governor habit Oh, God. The law, which went into effect this past Tuesday, bans abortions after medical professionals can detect a cardiac activity. Again, that's six weeks. It also gives the citizens rights to file civil suits and collect damages against anyone who is considered to be aiding in abortion. Lyft CEO Logan Green said on Friday that his company created a fund to cover 100% of the legal fees that drivers may face if they are sued. 
He says, uh, Lyft describes the law as, quote, incompatible with people's basic rights to privacy, our community guidelines, the spirit of rideshare, and our values as a company. So again, didn't have that on my 2021 bingo card. (laughs) Lyft is somehow more moral than the government of Texas. He goes on to say, we want to be clear. Drivers are not responsible for monitoring where their riders go or why. Thank God, dare I say, that's been a massive problem. Ask your lady friends. He goes on, imagine being a driver and not knowing if you are breaking the law by giving someone a ride. He continues, similarly, riders never, never have to justify or even share where they're going and why. Imagine being a pregnant woman trying to get to a healthcare appointment and not knowing if your driver will cancel on you for fear of breaking the law. Wow, that's a great point. All of these people who fancy themselves, I'm just a cordial gentleman. Hello, ma'am. Hey, ma'am. Uh, now you're going to have a bunch of pregnant women waiting on sidewalks being like, hey, where the heck is my Lyft and Uber? Mm. Oh, it turns out they had to cancel. Uh, so I'm sitting here in blazing heat, uh, as, of course, Texas provides. So Green goes on to say he blasts the Republican abortion law on Twitter. He says, threatens to punish drivers for getting people where they need to go, especially women exercising their rights to choose. He goes on, this is an attack on women's access to healthcare and on their right to choose. So shortly afterwards, Uber CEO, Dara Kosh Rahashi. I don't know. I'm taking it. All right. They responded as well after Lyft came out. They say drivers shouldn't be at risk for getting people where they want to go. Uh, there are team Uber is in two and will cover legal fees in the same way. So dare I say, there we go. Lyft leading the way and Uber following. Of course, the Texas law, as we mentioned last episode, went into effect after the Supreme Court denied an emergency appeal from abortion providers this past week. So, is this, um, yeah. Do you see this as like a PR move from Uber Lyft or do you think it's like fundamentally, you know they, they fundamentally disagree with the law? Sometimes probably a little a, bit of both. Probably a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think if PR is done in a positive way, I'm like, hey, great. I mean, yeah, I mean, I agree. Whatever. I agree. Right. I mean, well, there's always a bit of both. And you think about it, corporations sometimes do have to step up and lead the way against ridiculous laws that states pass. I remember Coca-Cola and uh, oh Major God. League Baseball, right? Major League Baseball mm-hmm. pulled the All-Star game out of Georgia in response to their restrictive voting laws. Right. So sometimes it takes a corporation to step up and, you know, there's no legal fees that have to be paid for yet. Yes. But by even saying we are ready to fight this. Sometimes that's where you got to hit Republicans because they try to be, you know, these social conservatives. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, a lot of these policies go against simple economic business sense. Absolutely. They do. And it's hard, you know, when like you referenced with Georgia and them pulling out the all-star game or pulling out of the all-star game. The sad thing is, again, it was all those people that were going to work that week. Right. It's all the vendors. Mm -hmm. It's all the janitors. It's, it's just, there's so many. So it's, because there are always people be like, boycott Texas, don't go. But I'm also like people in Texas also need the majority again are good mm-hmm. and they need to like they need entertainment as well. And they need to have someone be there. That's not just from the blue collar comedy tour. Right. You know, not even to diss those guys. I don't right. give a yeah, shit. Right. But it's like they I just believe that uh, shutting off conversation, I don't believe is the right idea. And, you know, for MLB to do that, I understand their reasoning. Um, but it's just it sucks because then the people of Georgia that suffered were those right. who were going to be able to uh, perhaps make enough money 
for a vacation or to help send their kids to college or whatever it might be. And that's the strangest thing about this abortion law out of Texas is not only are you taking on the health choices, the the right to choose their own health care of millions of women in Texas, this strange loophole, you're also throwing anyone who wants to drive Mm -hmm. Uber or Lyft under the bus as well, um, figuratively and literally. Um, And I saw a piece today uh, on MSNBC that now the Oklahoma abortion clinics are flooded with Texas patients, potential Texas patients. Right now the phone calls are coming, but soon, and what they fear in Oklahoma is now Oklahoma women who need care at these clinics won't be able to get the care they need because all the Texas women are already leaving the state and going to other states. You mentioned that, and of course we mentioned how you know upper middle class and folks who have means are going to be able to do that. I read a little bit about, again, uh, it's always the most marginalized groups are the ones who suffer the most from these right. uh, draconian laws. The Native American women living on tribal lands in Texas, they've already found it very difficult to get abortions, and oh. now this basically makes it impossible for them. Um, it, it's extremely unfortunate. Um, apparently, um, Native women suffer higher rates of rape and sexual assault. Uh, they will be unable to find monetary means to access safe and legal abortion outside of Texas, if that's even an option for them. Uh, so they will be forced to give birth under the uh, under this law, indigenous women in the United States are more than twice than likely uh, than white women to die from conditions caused uh, from pregnancy. Um, so this is according to Sharon Estoyer, executive director, and I'm probably mispronouncing the name. I apologize. Sharon Estoyer, Estoyer, executive director of the Native American Women's Health Education Center. Uh, this is what she had to say. She says, it's certainly a whole other level of mental anxiety and cruelty that's forced upon us. Our right, our human right to make this decision is being taken from us. Abortion-related data available through the Federal Indian Health Services, or IHS, it says... It provides healthcare access to about 2.5 million American Indians and Alaska Natives is woefully incomplete. And uh, activists and researchers say um, it is just in massive need of an overhaul. A storyer helped a spearhead survey in 2002 and found 85% of Indian Health Service care facilities did not comply with the agency's official abortion policy. Mm-hmm. And 62% of the facility's staff said that they do not provide abortion services or funding even in the cases where the woman's life is endangered by pregnancy. So we can uh, always, we, we, there's complaints across the board, but you always have to remember those who are suffering the most. And Native women, holy hell, what a long road it's been to hoe. And um, we just feel, I mean, it's just horrible. Yeah, I mean, we... And I would like to say those are unintended consequences of this law. But these are intended those consequences. Are, that was intended, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and, and we've talked today about the erosion of privacy and always, and again, the, the Roe v. Wade decision Absolutely. was made about privacy between a patient and their doctor. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what's under attack now as well, in addition to everything else. Yeah. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen posed that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Well, 
Uh, speaking of under attack, just kind of wrapping up here, Larry Elder. Mm. We'll see what's going on in California. It looks like Newsom is probably going to be, uh, he's probably going to skate here. It looks like on the recall. I'm calling him Greasy Gavin. Greasy Gavin. Looks you like he's going to skate. They say around 58% of the voters are saying no on the recall. Why? Not because they love Newsom, no. but because <laughs> his number one opponent is Larry uh. Psycho Elder. <laughs> oh, no. Larry Elder was attacked by egg-throwing agitators in Los Angeles. I don't approve, but nonetheless, it's a story. Republican California gubernatorial candidate Larry Elder, he had a bunch of eggs thrown on him, and uh, he was walking through the Venice neighborhood. He was campaigning, and the videos of the incident show an egg flying through the air and nearly hitting Elder. A member of Elder's team is then seen putting his arm on the candidate's back and saying, we're getting egged from behind. Whoa. <laughs> so in a way, it's it's in the world of RFK and Ronald Reagan, JFK, mm-hmm. in the world of, you know, even Steve Scalise or, uh, or Gifford. Yes, yes. In a world where politicians sometimes get shot, a little egging is almost a delight. <laughs> I mean, especially L.A., where brunch is so popular. It's so popular. Oh brunch my God. is so popular exactly. here in L.A. Why would you waste a good egg on Larry Elder? Well, you notice they didn't throw the guac. <laughs> That's uh, right. Keep the avocado toast for yourself. <laughs> I've read this article, this specific article, on a few different pages, and uh, there was a lot of people calling him a piece of shit mm-hmm. from the crowd. You know, mm-hmm. there was a lot. So there was a lot of love for him. That's good. <laughs> you know what? Maybe you should try Orange County. It's a little <laughs> yes. more friendly to his ilk. Yes, indeed. A video posted on Twitter showed a woman in a gorilla mask who threw eggs at him. Hopefully, that was not a racist gesture by the woman, uh. Uh, which is possible because. Uh, God knows black people get it from all sides um, one way or another. And no matter what, racism is never, ever okay, regardless if you disagree with someone's politics. You never want to become who you espouse to despise. One man was also heard calling Elder a piece of shit. And then he was escorted (laughs) back to his uh, vehicle. So I don't know if it was a great campaign stop. Right, 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 Um, right. But you got to give the guy a little credit for putting himself out there. Taking, yes. taking and egging. Even we watched the interesting documentary, The Swamp. Matt Gates, these psychopaths, mm. right? So Matt Gates is getting heckled everywhere he goes, and he's just like, "Thank you for coming." And his ego is so weird that Matt Gates, again in the documentary, The Swamp, watch it with a big grain of salt. But I think you'll find some aspects of it absolutely fascinating. Matt Gates at one point was talking about how Jim Carrey painted a picture of him. That's right. And he's like, "Even Jim Carrey painted a picture of me. Wasn't the most flattering." And it's, yeah, it's a, he's des- d- d- violently making fun of you. Yes, right, right, right. You psychopath. Well, it is interesting Larry Elder is putting in the footwork um, because Newsom certainly is too. He's bringing out all the big guns now. I mean, I believe yeah. Vice President Kamala Harris, former senator of California, Bernie, is currently Elizabeth. in the state. Yes, they are really Snoop Dogg, of course. We haven't seen the tweet yet. <sighs> No, maybe he forgot. His... Maybe Snoop Dogg forgot. He very well may have. He didn't have sound on his Twitch for a week. In a post, <laughs> I, I in a post-Trump world, though, kayfabe also gets you votes, though. So you know him antagonizing Agreed. all these all these different politicians, antagonizing, making enemies. It draws attention to them. Mm-hmm. You know the Matt Gates movie. You know he looks like again as long, what the, the Muhammad Ali said in in his documentary. Mm-hmm. As long as they're buying tickets, I don't care if they're booing or cheering or hissing, as long as they're buying tickets. That's Hopefully right. slightly different rationale for politics. But then again, but it's, it's but, the same idea. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah. And of course, Newsom's biggest challenge is 
will enough Democrats show up or vote by mail by September 14th? Because it's a very odd time for people to be voting. Mm -hmm. And that's his biggest challenge right now is will enough people show up? Right now, polls are saying probably, but you never know. Larry Elder could come in from behind. You never know. And of course, no one needs a uh, majority. Uh, the threshold could be met with freaking theoretically 10%, exactly, uh, which is very bizarre. All right. Just quickly here, Donald Trump, he has seen how much political power he still has. He's trying to desperately go against Representative Liz Cheney. Again, no love lost. Fuck him. Um, <laughs> but Harriet Hagman, her name is Harriet Hagman. Um, she is a Trump-supported Wyoming uh, challenge towards Liz Cheney. So we'll see what kind of power Trump still has. I believe when it comes to Wyoming specifically, uh, the Cheneys have that place pretty well on lockdown. They do. I will also throw out there as someone who worked in Wyoming during the campaign cycle last year, they also really love Trump. So yes, yeah. like you, Ben, I love it when the Republicans fight. That's so cute. I'm going to see where this one goes. I'm going with Harriet Hagman. Hagman versus Cheney. Cheney is a very well-known, well-respected name in Wyoming. But if Trump actually shows up and holds rallies in Wyoming, I mean, Wyoming's got 500,000 people spread across a very big piece of land. Yes, it does. So I don't know what kind of rallies Trump would be looking to do with Hagman. But you got to wonder what it could even accomplish. Harriet Hagman. Yes, indeed. All right, everyone. Well, that's, uh, that's some news for the week. We hope everyone's doing well out there. Um, you know, send like try to write little fun letters in code um, to the IRS. Like try to like <laughs> yes. ooh like um why was Mister Rogers' favorite n- number was one four three? I love you. Oh, so maybe spend one hundred and forty three dollars and say this is for the IRS. Oh. Take a look at it. That's why he stayed one hundred and forty three pounds his whole life. Wow, really? weird, kind of boring, but weird. Well, that's, that's a very, bit OCD. Yeah, yeah he may have OCD. OCD. Well, that's why he kept on changing his shoes all the time. Mister Rogers right. and, his, and his must get clean, must get clean sweater on again. Bob Ross, you can take Bob Ross down all you want, but no one. I love Bob Ross. I, Do yeah, not. Hold on. No, Wait, no. There's a documentary about him. I don't even know about it, but oh, some wow. people what were. Was he doing with, those squirrels? He was saying. He was painting them or something like that. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I have no idea what he was doing, but I, all I know is no one could ever take out Mr. Rogers. We need a little bit more Mr. Rogers and a little less, perhaps, cholesterol. Oh. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't wow. that be nice? Well, a little less is, fat. Yes. Soft Larry Elder's the- getting his cholesterol from eggs these days. I oh, my goodness. We should soften our hearts and soften our arteries, Ben. Oh. Thank you, Dr. Fernando. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. We hope you're doing well out there. And uh, yeah, we'll see you on the road soon. And uh, never forget, hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.